Ladies and gentlemen. What you gonna do? Brother, 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 brother. Welcome back to another episode of the Impact Under an Hour Power Hour. I am your host, Ryan. Angelo is off yet again due to work, and we had another episode of Impact today, uh, and I don't know if I'd call it a bad episode. Um, It felt weak, but... I'd say the matches were enjoyable for the most part. Um, it just felt like there wasn't enough. It felt like it was just a mismatch of what was the point of these matches, um, and we'll get we'll get into that. Um, so starting off, uh, we had opening up the show, the tag team match between Susie and Kylie Ray. Versus Kimberly and Deanna Perrazzo. Uh Out of these four people, um, I mean, Susie, when she's like actually wrestling, is pretty good. Uh, nor- she's better as Sue Young, but obviously that's not a thing right now. Uh, Kylie is great. Kimberly, pretty good. Deanna, excellent. So it was no surprise that these guys had a lot of good chemistry. Uh, it felt like a very good match. It was a good way to open the show. Um, nothing really too uh, memorable out of this match. Uh, just building the feud between Kylie and Deanna. Uh, and again, the friendships of Kylie and Susie. However, at near the end of this match, we started to see Susie kind of turning out uh, the good side and starting to just twitch a lot like she's... The, allowing Sue Young to come back out, uh, and she ends up picking up the pin on Kimberly, uh, and Kylie Ray looks terrified at this because Susie is twitching, she's making these weird faces, she's starting to scream a little bit, uh, she's twitching and pulling at her own hair, and Kylie's trying to snap her out of it, and then Susie like finally like snaps herself out of it. And just like kind of walks away, uh, and they both do. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's still interesting to see how this is going to play out. I think uh, we all know that Sue Young is going to come back sooner rather than later, uh, and there's more. This could have a this could have more of an impact uh, than just uh, Kylie Ray uh, and. Uh, Deanna's feud. Uh, this could play a part of the whole women's division as or knockouts division as a whole, and we'll get to why I think that uh, in a bit. Uh, after this, uh, Trey Miguel finds Rohit Raju walking through the halls. Trey says, "Hey, you know, you've been talking about giving all these opportunities away. Well, how about you give me an opportunity?" Uh, Rohit says, "Oh yeah, well I don't make the rules. I mean." 
Chris Bay is still the number one contender because he still has his uh, rematch clause, but TJP pinned him, so I guess that would give him an opportunity. And Chris Bay says, well, I'm, I've got a match against TJP in a bit, so after that, we'll talk because I'm going to beat him real quick. And he leaves, and Rohit looks a little unsure about himself because now he's like, oh, now there's another person gunning for the title. Um, after this, we get Tasha and Kiara Hogan finding Johnny Bravo, uh, talking about his outfit, and then asking him, hey, uh, so you never answered, uh, are we your best men? And he says, uh, no, that he decided against it. Uh, they assume that Taya told him that he's not allowed to have them there uh, because they're too good for her. Uh, they're better than Taya, uh, and they're too good. Uh, they're good for Johnny. Uh, and Johnny says, no, this was all my decision. I, I decided on somebody. And they're like, who? Who did you decide on? And out comes Falaba, and Johnny just pulls him over, and he's like, Falaba's going to be my person, my best man. And... Kiara says he doesn't even speak English, to which Falaba says, I use Google Translate completely in English. Um, so then they leave, and they say, translate this, uh, and Falaba says, peace out, and he's like, oh, or am I actually going to be your, your best man? And Johnny's like, yeah, absolutely, you're going to be my best man, and... Josh Matthews says on commentary that they he has never talked to Falaba in his life. Uh, so, okay. Um, after this, we get Triple XL versus the Deaners. Triple XL uh, come out and uh, Josh Matthews immediately drops the line of, uh, "Hey, AC Romero talks about how he uh, dropped a hundred pounds, according to someone in Sports Illustrated," and. Uh, it's weird. I'm happy for AC Romero. Honestly, you couldn't really tell that much. He was a little more mobile, um, but good for him for getting himself into a little bit, a little better shape. Um, and Triple XL is a heel team. It's very weird after seeing how they were in uh, Wrestle House, and this is like the last straw of Wrestle House. Basically, was this feud uh, between the Deaners and Triple XL. But, yeah, it, it just feels weird having AC Romero and, like, this feel-good story of him losing weight. Um, like, I don't want to hate him. I don't want to dislike him. Uh, and Larry D was honestly one of the more most enjoyable parts of Russell House. And, like, he was very lovable in it. And now, again, now that they're out, he's supposed to be hated. Uh, and, yeah, I just didn't like that idea, um, going into this, um, the Deaners, uh, have really good chemistry, uh, they're a very fun team, um, Josh Matthews and Madison Rain criticized the Deaners the entire match, uh, talking about how they look like they smell and they aren't smart, talking about how, uh, Josh Matthews, or, uh, Madison Rain said, that uh, she would bet a lot of money that uh, between the Deaners, uh, there was a, there's a very good chance that they haven't had a shower 
Uh, they haven't had more than three showers in a month. And Josh Matthews said, you're giving them way too much credit. Okay, way to way to boost up your, your baby faces there, guys. Um, ends up uh, being Larry D pinning Cousin Jake. And Cousin Jake has been pretty built up these last few weeks and months. Uh, whenever he's in matches, he seems to get the pin or look strong. Uh, he ends up taking what I think is a really good name, the best hand in the house, uh, miss, which is, I guess, Larry D's finisher, which is just a really strong-looking punch. Um, and, yeah, that was that was a win. I was surprised that Triple XL won, but uh, I'm happy. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next. Uh, I don't think they're going to be in the tag team picture title picture anytime soon, but we'll talk about that at the end as well. After this, uh, we've got Trey versus TJP, and this was, again, a very good match, considering who's in it. Trey is very, very good. Uh, I don't think he gets enough credit because he's kind of in the the main event scene, but is also kind of in a, he's in a tag team, stable faction, whatever you want to call them, in the Rascals, uh, He's kind of a comedy guy, but he's really damn good in the ring. Um, and I think keeping him in the X Division right now would be a good thing. Uh, I, I know a lot of people uh, talk about how you don't want to get brought down back into the mid-card, but I feel like the mid-card, the X Division for so many years, a lot of people would say that they had some of the best matches, some of the best feuds Um and the main event scene is kind of convoluted right now and messy, which we'll get into. Um, but I think that the X Division really has a chance to kind of remind people that it's got a lot of talent in it. Um, I talked about last week how uh, Madison Rain kind of threw it under the bus for not having too many people in it and seeming that... Uh, there's only three people in it, Rohit, uh, uh, Chris Bay, and TJP, er, yeah, and TJP, uh, now with Trey possibly coming back into it, I think there's good, it, it, it's a positive, I mean, all, uh, three of the challenge, possible challengers are really good in-ring workers, uh, and they have pretty good chemistry with each other so far that I've seen, uh, so not gonna complain about these guys gain more uh, time and more chances at titles. Uh, with that being said, uh, Trey picks up the win over TJP, and now the X Division title look, picture looks messy as well. Um, because, like I said at the beginning, Chris Bay still has his rematch clause. TJP pinned Chris Bay last week. This week, TJP, who might have been the number one contender to some people, ends up getting pinned by Trey. So now what are is the situation looking like? We'd find out again later on. Now, this is where it gets weird. Well, weirder than it had been. Uh, so the editing in this show was very awkward. Uh, what I didn't mention is uh, after the Triple XL versus... Uh, the Deaners match, like midway, like they had just rung the bell basically. And the ref was just going over to Larry D to raise his hand. 
and he raises his hand, AC starts yelling, he's very happy, and they just cut it. Like, it seemed like they were going to, like, Josh Matthews is talking, and they just cut it. I'm not going to complain that you cut off Josh Matthews, he's not good. Um, But, that was weird. This gets weirder, because, so, after the match, the instead of celebrating this win, you get them, Trey just kind of sitting there, TJP kind of sitting there in the ring, and Josh Matthews is talking about this big situation happening backstage. We're going to take you there. Can we get cameras back there? What's going on? And... Like they don't, they don't swing to backstage. So like the wrestlers are just kind of just sitting there, and like I don't know if that like it, it made it seem like they knew they weren't supposed to do anything, but like why weren't they just doing something natural? Why were they just sitting basically in the ring? Uh, also, again, tape show why. Isn't it just a smooth transition into whatever's going on backstage? Why is Josh Matthews freaking out trying to get a camera back there? Like, I understand you're trying to build up the realism. Like, nobody was actually back there. But, like, Josh Matthews is saying that he heard and saw that something's going on backstage. So, clearly there's people back there. Like, what? It's just weird. Um, Anyway, the situation is that Ace Austin, Madman Fulton, and the North are beating up Wentz and Dez, the other members of the Rascals, uh, who are going to be one half of the the four of those uh, competitors in the main event for the night. And uh, they leave, laying them out, uh, and Sabin and... Uh, Alex Shelley, I don't know why I blanked on Shelley's name there for a second, uh, end up going to look and check on them. And they're like, oh, what do we do now? We go to commercial. We come back from commercial, and they're talking to a man who literally looks like he is just a regular guy who are there like, hey, we don't have a doctor's coat for you. Have this stethoscope and just nod your head and freak out if they say can they wrestle because that's exactly what happens here is they ask uh you we have this random doctor man who really just looks like your average joe he is just wearing a button-down shirt some pants and has a stethoscope on him and mercy machine guns are asking hey what's going on can these are these guys okay and he just says they are not cleared to wrestle. And then Mercy Machine Guns, one of them, I don't remember which one it was, asks, well, are they cleared to wrestle? And the guy just goes, no, and walks away. And then the Good Brothers show up, and they're laughing about something. And they're like, oh, hey, I saw what happened to the, the your your partners. Uh, I guess you guys are down two people. We'll, we'll fill in for you. And uh, Alex Shelley says, "Oh well, that'd be it. Would be cool to have three machine guns together because you know Carl Anderson is the machine gun." And he's he, Carl Anderson starts laughing. He's like, "Oh, that's so cute of you guys. Thanks, man." 
but they say no, we want to we want to have a two on four handicap match, and Carl Anderson's like, no, we're not gonna let you have that. Like I'm in I'm in good shape. We we're great wrestlers, and Doc Gallows or uh, yeah, Doc Gallows or the Big LG, whatever we're calling him, says, oh, and I've only had a few talking shop brewskis here, so I'll be ready to go in a few. Um, as he continues to drink, uh, and yeah, they insert themselves in this, this match. I I don't understand why the Mercedes machine guns are like, yeah, we don't want to have a full team. Like we want to have a two person disadvantage. It just seems weird. Um, but that's what's happening. Um, after this. We've got Rich Swan in the ring. And Rich Swan is hanging out. There he walks in the ring. And he says, I've got something to talk about, but this was supposed to happen backstage, back in the offices. But I wanted to do it in front of you guys. And so he calls out Scott Demore. And Scott Demore comes out. And Swan says that he's retired. He understands he's injured. Uh, but he needs to come back just to face Eric Young. And Scott basically says that he's talked to all of Rich's doctors. He was at the hospital uh, when Rich got injured. He never left his bedside while they put his neck bra- him in a neck brace. Uh, and they told him that he's not cleared. And he won't be cleared for quite some time. And that he's not even cleared for the slightest physical activity or physical contact. Uh, Rich says that he promises he'll be cleared for Bound for Glory. And Scott says that if he signs the match, he wouldn't feel good about it. Because while he agrees that uh, Rich Swan would technically be the next in line for a title shot if he hadn't retired and if he wasn't injured, that... If he makes it to Bound for Glory, he might as well just end up a cripple, which I thought was weird. Um, Eric Young then comes out. Uh, Well, actually, right before this, Rich Swan says, well, if if you're not going to clear me for this match, you might as well just take me out behind behind the building and shoot me because I don't want to live anymore if I can't wrestle. Um... And so Eric Young comes down, uh, and Scott tries to get in the middle of the two. Eric Young grabs Scott and shoves him down. Uh, And then Rich Swan does a running jump while he's on crutches and while he's in a walking boot. Does a swing, which turns into a swing blade, which turns into him laying down punches. And then it seems that Eric Young, like... Just rolls out, and Rich Swan realized that, oh, I'm supposed to be selling a major injury here. So he just starts yelling in pain and, like, acting like a floppy dead fit, like a floppy dying fish, and out of water, he's just flopping on the ground, up and down, up and down, and realizing that he's supposed to not be able to walk. Um, and then Scott gets on the mic and says that, uh, oh, Eric, you shouldn't have done that because right before. Uh, you came out here, I was going to announce that it will be Mr. Wils- er, Mr. Rich Swan versus 
Eric Young at Bound for Glory for the world title match. And this makes no sense. So, me and Angelo, when this injury angle first was made and when the Rich Swan retired or did his retirement speech, we, we said that this definitely was not a real retirement. However, they pointed out that Rich Swan's injury is... They've made it perfectly clear to everybody week after week that Rich Swan's injury is worse than it was the first time he was injured this year. The first time he was injured, Rich Swan made it clear that he was out for seven months. Seven-month injury. And that the week he was cleared was Slammiversary, and that he rushed in to get into that match. So, seven months, of, and that's with no training, no nothing, according to Rich Swan and this storyline that they're trying to push. Slammiversary was in August. They are trying to make it make it believable that Rich Swan's worst injury that he was forced to retire from because of how damaging it is, he's going to be able to compete two months later. Makes no sense in any world. And while the delivery from Scott and Rich Swan was really good in this segment, just the... It just feels like they're trying to play, like, trying to treat the audience like they don't know how time works. Uh, because they didn't say what the actual injury is. But they clearly said that it was worse than the original injury that Rich Swan had. So, it's just, like, the, it feels like they don't, they wanted to go an injury route, but they didn't know what to do for the injury route. So, they just were like, okay, we're going to... Claim it's a retirement injury, but we've got to get a title match for Bound for Glory. What would be a good one? Oh, Rich Swan. Oh, we just wrote him off with retirement. Nah, screw it. Let's just say he's able to come back. Um, this is really poor booking, um, and I'm actually really I'm very disappointed that they went this route. Um, I thought that you, I understand you don't want to keep Rich Swan basically off of TV for another seven to eight months. Uh, you don't want him to have basically one match in impact for an entire year. Uh, he's in the prime of his career. He probably doesn't want to do that either. But they worked themselves into a pickle, and it's not working out great. Um, I'm sure Rich Swan and Eric Young will have a great match if they want, but it doesn't make sense storyline wise that this is even probable to happen this is there at this rate they're making John Cena look like an average human being with his recovery time because coming back from an injury that should that they're basically saying is worse than a seven month injury and he's come back in two that's that's wild uh after this we've got Taya and Rosemary, they're talking about how... Taya's upset that Rosemary didn't come down to help last week. Rosemary 
reminded her that she's trying to resurrect somebody. And Taya says, oh, well, can you come this week to ringside? And Rosemary says, I'm still doing my thing, but if I finish my thing, I'll make it down there. And Taya says, okay, that's fine. Uh, so they leave. We get Willie Mack versus Brian Myers yet again. Uh, this was honestly the worst match of their three matches that they've had so far. Um, but it was still a very good match. Uh, it was fun to watch. It was fun to follow along. Uh, however, we've got some awful commentary from Impact yet again. Uh, so near the end of this match, Brian Myers rolls out of the ring and Madison Rain or Josh Matthews says, why did Madison or why did Brian Myers roll out of the ring? What is he doing? Madison Rain says, what he's doing is he's, he realizes that Willie Mack can't beat him being Brian Myers. If he isn't in the ring, that's not how that works. This isn't a title match. If Brian Myers is out of the side of the ring for 10 seconds, or a count of 10, then Willie Mack wins. <laughs> um, after this, uh, <laughs> Willie Mack rolls Brian Myers into the r- ring. Brian Myers then stands up, and as Willie Mack is getting into the ring, Brian Myers kicks the ropes. And <laughs> Josh Matthews yells, He kicked the ropes! To make a low blow. That's cheating. He's cheating again. So basically any if any wrestler has ever gotten a rope, like if they've ever been crotched, if they've ever been like knocked off the or they're climbing up the top turnbuckle and they get pushed down and they land and their their groin area hits the top turnbuckle or the ropes, then that should have been a DQ right there, according to Josh Matthews. Um, Willie Mack ends up winning uh, when uh, Brian Myers tries to throw uh, Willie Mack into the exposed turnbuckle, uh, but he moves out of the way. Brian Myers hits it, and then uh, Willie Mack hits him with the stunner, and Willie Mack has finally gotten a win back over Brian Myers. So currently the standings are two to one with Brian Myers with two wins, Willie Mack with one. I would not be shocked if we get more matches with these guys. I'm not gonna complain because they're good matches. However, this isn't helping either of the guys at this point. Um, after this, we go backstage again. Rosemary is hanging out against the wall, and Navia and Havoc are walking down the hall as well. Rosemary stops them uh, to talk to Havoc and says that she needs her help. She needs them to, or she's trying to resurrect somebody. And the only way that she can resurrect somebody is by uh, sacrificing a virgin or by reuniting the, and Havoc grabs her and says, no, I won't do it. And Rosemary says, we need you. Do you know how hard it is to do a a demon wedding? Uh, And I'm getting married really soon, so I need this. Can we please reunite? And Havoc grabs 
Rosemary throws her against the wall, starts beating into her, screaming no, and Nevia has to pull her off. And yeah, uh, I think this is showing that the fact that they're trying to get Havoc, or Havoc has to play a role in this, I think it is going to set up that the person she's re trying to resurrect, or tr Rosemary's trying to resurrect, is Father James Mitchell. Uh, so this could be setting up his return. Uh, however, this is going to also play into my theory about Rosemary, or, uh, Rosemary and Susie and Havoc that through this uh, little resurrection thing, uh, whenever it does happen, because I'm assuming it's going to happen in some way, that is going to cause the return of Sue Young, uh, since Havoc, Sue Young, and Rosemary were involved in the killing of Father James Mitchell from before. So I feel like it's just destined that that's going to be, you can get Father James Mitchell, and that might also cause Sue Young to come back. Uh, that That's my guess, uh, but who knows. Um Another backstage segment, and Moose is walking backstage, and he runs into Scott Demore. He asks Scott uh, if he has seen EC3, and if we can do something about it. Scott says he hasn't seen EC3 in years, he hasn't wrestled here in years, he hasn't been here in years. Um, and Moose is like, no, I like he's been posting pictures of me in like the gym, checking into hotels. He's been hanging them in rooms in here. He's been doing videos and promos here, uh, talking to me. And he even hypnotized and brainwashed my high school football coach back home. And Scott says, you know, like how you try to get in the heads of wrestlers when you wrestle. And he says, yes, I, under I know. Uh, Scott says, well, I think that you're so good at getting in other people's heads that you've finally gotten into your own head. That mixed with the anxiety and issues coming from football. And Scott, and Scott walks away and talks about how there's real problems and impact other than the ghost of EC3. Uh, and how there's a literal psychopath in Eric Young currently roaming around impact. Moose says, oh, yeah, you're right. He's probably just inside my head. And then he takes a few steps, and all of a sudden, you got an EC3 vignette talking about how he told Moose to come and get the title, or he's going to start cutting it up and sending it to him bit by bit. Um, and that time is ticking away, uh, and that he has been warned. It was a very quick vignette here. Uh so Moose says, I know what I need to do. He picks up the phone, doesn't dial anything, and immediately just starts talking. And he says, hey, Demo God. It's a reference to Chris Jericho. Hey, what happened? What did you do when you lost your title and it was stolen from you the first night you had it? In reference to when he won the AEW championship and lost it. The first day he had it. Now it wasn't stolen. It was he put it on the top of his limo. And drove away. Without putting it back in. Um, but I digress. Uh, he talks to nobody. Uh, and then says. Oh next time I see you. The bubbly's on me. I thought this was a good, uh, fun, fun segment. Uh, and it was good to 
have some jokes about AEW uh, and just be able to talk. Uh, It's just good to see a company that doesn't take themselves super seriously with Impact uh, just being able to call out other companies and like poke poke fun at them as well. Uh, I think that's fun. Um, after this, Tennille is doing another photo shoot, and Jordan walks into the middle of the photo shoot, and is like, hey, Tennille, you said you were coming back, or Caleb said you were coming back to work this week. And Tennille says, I am at work. This is work, pointing to her photo shoot going on. And Jordan says, no, your job is a wrestler, not Instagram model. So next week, you have to come back to work, and you're going to wrestle me. And then Tennille says, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, and Caleb says, we'll deal with it next, we'll deal with it another time. Let's go back to this. And they just keep on doing photo shoots. So again, last week, we were told that she was returning this week. Next week, I'm sure there will be another excuse. This 100% feels like Emelina Volume 2. And no, I don't want it. Tamil's a good, a really good wrestler. Jordan's a good wrestler. This is not necessary. Um, after this, <laughs> we've got uh, Kiera with Tasha Steeles versus Taya. Taya does not come out with Johnny. Rosemary does not come down, uh, and the numbers game ends up helping Kiera win this pretty quickly. This was not a very long match at all, uh, and Kiera wins with some distractions from Tasha, uh, and Taya is not happy about it, uh, and probably rightfully so that uh, her one friend just is not there, and the other friend uh, in Rosemary, you know, can't really blame her too much, uh, she's trying to resurrect her, uh, somebody, can't rush a resurrection, um, after this, Rhino challenges Hernandez to another arm wrestling competition, uh, and comes up with this idea that he can't actually sit with his back facing the door because of Wild Bill something, uh, so they swap spots, and Hernandez puts the money on the, the table uh, against the wall, and Heath is trying to go and sneak and get the money, uh, and each time he gets close, Rhino just distracts, or like causes this to get interrupted. Uh, he says that uh, he needs to stretch out for a bit, then he says he does it again right as Heath is about to grab the money. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm not sure if I actually want to do this. And Hernandez gets up and starts talking to him. Heath grabs the money, walks out the door. Uh, and Hernandez and Rhino sit back down. And then Rhino, as they're about to go and lock up, uh, Rhino says, you know what? You're probably going to beat me anyway. And walks out. Uh and Hernandez gets up and he's, he's flustered about what just happened. He doesn't even look over to see if the money's still there. Uh, but according to Josh Matthews, he knew that the money was gone. So, yeah. Uh, after this, Trey, Chris Bay, and TJP confront Rohit 
about all these opportunities that he claims he's giving out, but not really giving them out. Uh, and he said, Rohit says that I promise that you guys should have a triple threat match next week. And the winner, I promise I will give you a title shot and you are the number one contender. They, he says it, they all agree to it. And so next week we have Trey, Chris Bay, and TJP in a number one contendership for the X Division title. That should be a really fun match. Who knows if it's going to end what way. I'm assuming you're going to give it to Chris Bay, but you could go somewhere with one of the other guys, and then Chris Bay can still say, hey, I have my rematch clause still, and make it a triple threat for Bound for Glory. Either way, not going to complain. It should be a good match. And finally, we have the Mercy Machine Guns and the Good Brothers versus the North and Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. And before we get any further, I do want to point out that uh, last week we were told the whole effing talk show was going to debut this week uh, with Katie Forbes and RVD and that Sammy Callahan was going to do something and try to get himself some uh, backup or somebody to cancel out the numbers advantage of Katie Forbes in him versus RVD. Uh, none of that was referenced this week at all. Uh, the show didn't happen. Sammy Callahan didn't show up. They weren't referenced on commentary at all. So who knows what happened there. Anyway, this was a really good match. Um, really just fun match to see all of the different egos getting involved. Uh, Ace Austin, Madman Fulton, and the North. While they looked like they were on the same page when they were attacking the Rascals at the beginning of the night. Now they were butting heads throughout the match, and the Good Brothers and Mercy Machine Guns, they were getting in each other's heads and in each other's way, um, but the action in the ring was very good. Uh, these, again, are four really talented teams, um, and it, was, it didn't go super long. This actually started with probably about 15 to 12 minutes left on the show, um, and yeah, it, it just felt like they were. This was just to try to continue storylines, which I'm not gonna complain about. I think that's really smart. You need to, with Bound for Glory coming out up in a month, you need to figure out who's gonna be going for what titles. Um, this ends in a way that I didn't expect, but once it happened, I was like, yeah, okay, this does make sense again. Um, so the North are beating up on Saban, uh, and they've gotten uh, Alex Shelley out of the ring. So they're doing some double-team tandem offense here, uh, and they go for, like, their little uh, back, like, tandem backbreaker uh, move that they do, uh, where it's set up like a Styles Clash almost with, like, the person in between uh, the two of them, as they, like, just flip them onto his back. I don't know what they call it, because Josh Matthews has never called it, ever. He just says, oh, move. Uh, or it's his, their signature. Um, so as they have him lined up, Ace Austin is, like, hiding behind their ring post and slaps Ethan Page for the tag. 
but because of the action that's going on elsewhere, like the ref, he saw it, but the North don't. Josh Alexander doesn't react to it. Ethan Page just doesn't really seem to care. I guess he thinks that something else has hit him, or he bumps something, uh, and then he realizes, like once he hits it, that the ref has pointed to the tag. Ace Austin has come in real slyly. Uh, and just walks in between the North and pins Chris Saban, uh, and the North are just looking at him. And at two, Alex Shelley looks like he's going to come in and interrupt it, but Ethan Page wants the win for his team, so he dives in and stops Shelley from winning or er, breaking up the pin. And uh, Ace Austin has pinned one half of the champions in Chris Saban. Uh, I did not expect that to happen. I expected that, like, there was going to be some breakdown between the teams, but I didn't expect to have a clean finish in this match at all. Um, and I did not expect that a Motor City Machine Gun was going to get pinned. Um, but there we have it. Um, so... Technically, Ace Austin and Madman Fulton look like they are going to be the next challengers for the Mercy Machine Guns. Uh, we talked. I I've talked about Joey and Angela have talked about that we thought that Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. I didn't understand like what the big draw to them was, other than that Ace is really good on the mic. They're good workers, um, but they just keep on losing every time they have a match. It seemed uh, and. Now they've picked up a very big win in a very short time uh, from when we were questioning what they were doing with them. So glad that they got the win. Uh, interesting to see what unfolds next. Uh, and to end the night, you had the North and Fulton and Austin getting into it and the Good Brothers and uh, the Motor City Machine Guns getting into it. So I don't think the storyline is done with these guys either. Um, so next week, as of this moment, who knows what's going to happen since they pulled something from last night, uh, or from tonight, I'm assuming they'll move that to next week, but who knows, uh, so far we have Kimberly versus Susie, we have Jordan Grace versus Tennille, and we have Trey TJP and Chris Bay in a number one contendership match for the X Division Championship. Um, they've seemed to indicate that the this match will happen at Bound for Glory, but uh, who knows? Um, because Josh Matthews at the end of this, uh, when he was reading down the match, uh, said that Rohit Raju is going to challenge next week the winner of this. So... I think he misspoke, but who knows? Um, maybe you're going to have that open the night and then Rohit versus the winner later in the night. I don't know. I'm assuming he misspoke, but he that's just what he said. All right. Uh, overall, I, I would put this... Uh, the I thought the wrestling was good. Um, I thought there was some... Good, really good moments in this show, uh, but I think the backstage segments, for the most part, were pretty miss. Uh, there were, and there were are a lot of backstage segments uh, on these shows, uh, and a lot of them uh, this week just felt pointless uh, and just felt like they were trying to fill in more time instead of having wrestling. Uh, and 
I'm I'm really like just tired of like I don't care about Johnny and Rosemary's wedding as much as they want me to be. I don't need four different segments of that um of something involving that throughout the night. Technically five if you count the match. Um so I'm going to give this a thumbs in the middle. Um not going to point it up, not going to point it down. Uh, but thumbs just square in the middle there. Um, but yeah, overall, uh, it's another episode of Impact in the books. Uh, reminder that tomorrow we have our AEW weekly review. And then Friday we have uh, our New Japan Strong show. Uh, and then on most likely Sunday... We will be giving our review of Nights 1 and 2 of the G1. And of course, then I will be back, possibly with Angelo, possibly with Joey, possibly with no one again, um, for another Impact review next Tuesday. Uh, Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts if you can, or if you haven't already. Uh, Make sure to... Uh, uh, you can subscribe as well on uh, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify Podcasts, uh, as well as uh, Anchor. Uh, also, make sure to like us on Facebook, at Deep Six Wrestling. You can follow us on Twitter, at Deep Six Wrestling. That's Deep Six Wrestling without the G at the end. Uh and also, if you can follow, subscribe, like, get notified on YouTube for, at Deep Six Wrestling as well. Uh, that's it. Stay safe, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye!